Hey guys, before we start the show, just a quick reminder that uh, Recovering From Religion is doing their first fall excursion, and uh, this is a reminder for you guys that if, if you wish to attend, you go to recoveringfromreligion.org. Uh, they have some special guests speaking, and this will be in September, in North Carolina in September, from the 20th to the 22nd. Uh, they'll have uh, people like Sarah Roxdale, Mendisa Thomas, Lloyd Evans, Candace Gorham, and more. So uh, if you want to find out some more, go to recoveringfromreligion.org, fall excursion 20. 2019 and uh, the spaces are limited and financial subsidies are available and uh, if you wish to actually attend what's going to be probably a very spectacular little event so recoveringfromreligion.org and now on to the show uh so i hi 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 <laughs> i'm amy kuehl from the ginger snaps and i took a left at the valley oh fantastic I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith in a substantiated claims that's something to be ashamed. I'm an Coming at you from your podcast provider, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I'm not a trophy husband material kind of guy. I'm more of a participation ribbon kind of guy. Ouch. <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team who knows that bricks are happy construction material because they always get laid. <laughs> I'll have to tell that one at work. <laughs> she got the body she always wanted by raiding the cemetery, Kirsten. Oh. <laughs> Don't tell everyone my secrets. And she saw two guys in matching outfits. She asked if they were gay and they arrested her. Tammy. <laughs> I know you're not talking. That's fine. That's fine. You're, you're sitting here so you get to be part of the joke. So, you know what I was looking for in that cemetery there, Kevin? I don't want to know this. <laughs> I was looking for a new left hand. Oh. <laughs> hey, that'd be kind of cool, actually. Like a prosthetic skeleton hand on the, on the left. That'd be kind of cool. Right? Yeah. And then you could put a cloak and it could be like death or something. <laughs> With a big sigh. Well, welcome back, ladies. Uh, sorry, Nancy's uh, got a stomach bug and Christina's missing in action. So it's only you three, well, us three. So today we'll be talking to Andrew Torres, the lawyer extraordinaire. We'll be talking about the whole abortion issue that's been going on in the States. Oh but first, God. let's do a bit of chit-chat. Um, you guys ever heard of this guy named Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Well, apparently he's dead. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. What? Well, that's according to Donald Trump. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, I'm not listening to that dipshit. <laughs> yeah, he, he said in one of his speeches, you know, Arnold, you know, he died. He said, I was there. <laughs> Arnold tweeted back, says, you know, I'm still home. I'm still here. Uh, you want to compare our tax returns? <laughs> Via Twitter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Arnold. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, it's, it's kind of a shame with Christine's not here because I've got this story, you know, about identical twins. You know, uh, uh, this is uh, Leo Rogers and uh, Sarah uh, Marius. Well, she's actually not identical. They're fraternal. Well, you know, she's a twin, you know, kind of, you know, and like many twins, they like to do things together. And it was kinda, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not Christina and her twin? No. Uh, well, these twins, they took it one step further by actually giving birth on the same date at the same time. Oh, I saw that story. On June 30th at 1.18 a.m., uh... So uh, Leah gave birth to her son, 
and uh, and uh, Sarah gave birth to a daughter. I mean, Aww. I think they took it a bit far. The whole twin thing would have been even worse if they had like given twins. birth to twins. I've heard of that. <laughs> and yeah. I think with isn't it with identical twins when they have kids? Yeah, they're both siblings and cousins. If you're gonna chat, I'm gonna have to turn that mic on. I don't want to hear you in the background like as far away. It's like, Aah! no, I don't want to hear that. So it's a ghost. either you talk in the mic or you shut up. <laughs> Damn, you have been told. That's right. Continuing, did you guys hear that Volkswagen says it's gonna stop yes. making the Beetle? But they're bringing back the Volkswagen bus. I know. So and they're I making that. it an electric bus, and I'm like. I'm kind of tempted. Of course, the Beetle was started in 1938 as a Nazi um, uh, prestige product uh, project. It was supposed to be the car of the people. That's exactly what Volkswagen was supposed to say. I mean, uh, it, of course, it was, uh, it was way back. It went back to Austrian engineer Ferdinand Porsche. It was actually hired by Hitler to spread the uh, car ownership like the Model T Ford and Ford had done in years previous to that with the Model T. Now it's just the car of bruised arms. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so... It's kind of a shame. I kind of like the bug. I never had one. I always wanted an old school bug. Of course, the new one they have now is essentially it's a golf with a, just a different frame. But yeah. it's... It doesn't have... It's not the same. It doesn't have the same charm as the original the Volkswagen, Volkswagen bug. Beetle. Exactly. But to be fair, how many more updates can they make to it? Like, it, they have to, like, to, in order to keep the same kind of... Yeah. They could make it electric. <gasps> oh, they totally could make it electric bug. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that'd be awesome, actually. Um, did you hear that Canada apparently is exploring ways and the laws to stop gay conversion therapy? I did hear a tidbit on that. Yeah, the federal government actually sent letters to the provinces to discourage the practice. Uh, Canadian, uh, the Canadian Psychological Association condemns the practice, and the scientific research does not support the so-called efficacy of the therapy, obviously. No, duh. Um, of course, it can result in distress, anxiety, depression, and sexual dysfunction. So apparently, Ontario, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, and PEI already have some restrictions and some bans. And the BC right now is exploring some more restrictions on the harmful, out of this, out of your goddamn mind, conversion therapy stupidity that the Christians are trying to push all over the place. Uh, and last but certainly not least... Um, did you hear there's a movie, uh, there was a movie that was released in the March in the States called Unplanned. Mm -hmm. It's an anti-abortion propaganda movie. Um, it just opened yesterday in 50 theaters across Canada. Now, this opened in March in the States, and it just slowly made its way here. I don't know why it took so long for them to come across Quite controversial, here. if I it remember. Is quite I've seen a lot of stuff about it. Uh, this, is a, this is apparently based on the memoirs of an activist, uh, anti um, sorry, a... Uh, anti-abortion activist Abby Johnson uh, she's apparently a former Planned Parenthood director in Texas and she said in her testimony that she saw a 13 week fetus fight for its life essentially they had aborted the fetus and the damn thing was trying to crawl away apparently which I think is bullshit I am calling bullshit yeah a lot of people are calling bullshit on this also uh, horse shit on that as well and, and the science does say that fetuses actually don't actually feel pain until they're 24 weeks old at least so, you know, it's, it's, it's a load of crap. But, you know, it doesn't stop our uh, brave and courageous Christians from trying to push their agenda on people. Uh, the Globe and Mail, the newspaper, the Globe and Mail, they gave it a zero-star review, actually, and called it malicious and potentially dangerous religious and political propaganda. Wow. Uh, 
abortion has been legal since 1988 here in the country, and uh, and and when the movie was released in the states, it only made 18 million dollars. So it's controversial, but you know, it obviously didn't make that much of an impact in the U.S. So it's going to make even less here. So I, I I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that movie being here. I don't know. You, you have any thoughts on that, Kristen? I mean, if people want to go and see it, sure. But if it's not, if it's having just a very biased opinion and it's not looking at kind of pros and cons both sides of the story, then I'm like, well, it's what? not. We like, know already, it's not doing that. We oh, know. exactly. So it's like, what kind of is the impact that it's supposed to have aside from? basically being propaganda yeah it is total propaganda it's a movie that basically is trying to depict Planned Parenthood and abortion clinic like some kind of slaughterhouse and there's blood covering the walls and and the doctors can't talk because they're under duress and blah 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 no 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 it's nothing like that I know there was one time what was it it was a year or so ago and I saw an ad on actually I think it was a video that just came up on Facebook and it was about abortion and it started out all fine and then it starts getting and you're thinking, oh, yeah, hey, because it's a doctor that was doing it and whatnot, or, you know, was a doctor, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And it gets in and it starts going into more details. And you're just kind of, it le- leaves you feeling you're like horrified at this. And then you're, you, I kind of, being an intelligent person, look back and I'm like, that's just cruelty right there. Yeah, yeah. Like playing with people's minds like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's. <sighs> What does it say about a religion when they're willing to go and lie like that just to push their savior? Yeah. I mean, if if Jesus was down here right now, would he approve of this movie? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. No, he would not approve of the methods these people are using to try to sneak a message anyway. And now the authorities here in Canada are concerned because this kind of movie is the kind of movie that a zealot will see before yeah. doing something stupid and shooting somebody. Mm-hmm. And this is... Anyway... Hopefully, this kind of stuff does not happen. All right, let's move on. Well, Nancy's not here to do a top ten with us, so I guess we'll go right ahead to your another brilliant moment, if you'd be so kind. You good with that? Okay, I, I am moment. good with that. I mean, do, you, do I have a choice in the matter? Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, anywho, it was weird enough when Donald Trump's spiritual advisor, Paula White said that the White House becomes holy ground simply because she stands on it. (laughs) But, but, during the same sermon last month, White told a bizarre anecdote about how she was about to have surgery, but thanks to a sign from God, she demanded the IV tube be taken out of her arm that instant because a demon was going to use it to kill her. Was going to use the IV tube to kill her? Yep. Was he going to do, like, strangle her with it? I don't know. (laughs) White explained how she needed foot surgery because she was having serious pains. And then she had multiple dreams in which her foot got amputated. Oh. I'd had three dreams. And in those three dreams, we flew out on a Monday morning and then land at 830 in the morning. And they were going to surgery at 930. And I didn't tell anyone this part. But in three dreams, I saw my leg getting amputated. Oh, it's my leg now. To me, that just sounds like nerves. Yeah. (laughs) You know, a little anxiety before a surgery. Anyone has it to any varying degree. That makes... You're making way too much sense. Stop that. I know. And then I said, Lord, something's not right today. And I'm sitting there, and they go in, and they put the IV in. 
And all of a sudden, I said to the doctor, Sir, how long? Meaning, how long will the surgery be? He said, Oh, we're just waiting. They changed the anesthesiologist. Oh, it was Satan. And the moment he said that, I turned to my husband, John, and I said, Grab my phone right away. (laughs) Now, John goes back in the office and grabs my phone. And all of a sudden, a prophet, that's a very dear friend, calls me from Ghana and says, Mom, you're on a table right now. Get the IV out of your arm. I don't know what the mom's for. I think it's more of a So so, so, the prophet's from Ghana? That's where the prophet is right now. Oh, Jesus. So they're from there. I don't know. But anyways, says... Get the IV out of your arm. There's a demonic timeline to try to take your life. (laughs) And then I looked at the doctor and I said, get me off this table right now. John's looking at me like I'm crazy, but he knows when I hear the Holy Spirit, there's nothing you can do. That's because you are a crazy lady. We all know that. Now you're making too much sense. (sighs) I looked at the doctor and I said, sir, you're not going to understand this. But I'm about to save your practice, and I'm about to save my life. Because they have intercepted, and there's a demonic timeline to take my life today, and God has confirmed it to me through three ge- three dreams, and I have not said a word to anybody. Okay, so hold on. So a demonic timeline. Yep. So you're saying that some events in the past have altered the timeline, and now they're on a demonic timeline somehow? I guess so. Yeah, doesn't make sense. And anyways... Apparently, the doctor said, okay, we'll get your regular anesthesiologist. He'll come at 2 o'clock. But she wasn't having any of it. She said, get this out of my arm or I'm going to rip it out myself. You're not doing the surgery today. Oh, okay. So she intercepted Satan's plan to destroy her via foot surgery. Well, the funny thing is, is her foot's still not healed, is it? Uh, she did go back and have the surgery on a different day. She was good to have it, just not right then, because so, that's that's when it was gonna. They were gonna try and kill her via so, IV. So you you think that if God's trying to warn you about demons, you might as well just heal your foot while you're there. You would think. You think, you know. I mean, why of, not? Kind of lazy ass God is this? I mean, they could have just gotten her on the flight, or maybe struck her down at the White House for dramatic effect. But no, apparently it was through liquid and the IV this time. All right, cool. Yeah. Liquid demons. Liquid demons. Insert that. It's like putting octane in your engine. <laughs> Is that it? That's it for today. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for that. We're gonna leave it at the liquid demons. <coughs> oh God, yes. Liquid demons. You Think never around know. here we call that tequila. <laughs> Good one. Good thank one. You. Oh, goodness. Oh, where is I'm it? down one cup of coffee, and I'm on to number two. <laughs> well, you know, when you get a liquid demon, maybe that's what you get in your coffee right there. A liquid demon. Maybe. Yeah. It's a uh, dark roast liquid demon. That's <laughs> <the> good shit. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm making the mic jump. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. All right. Well, like I said, Nancy's not here, so we don't have a top ten, but I guess we can always have one of those. Things that make you go... Alright, this should be fun. Uh, you guys know about crystals? Yes, and yeah, I, I have a feeling that I know where you might be going with this. You know, crystals, apparently, they have, like, therapeutic properties. Did you know? I've heard. Well, the company decided to take it to the next level. Introducing Shock Rubs, the original crystal dildo. Say what? Now, this company, <laughs> this is real. This, oh, I, I have no doubt that it's real. 
<laughs> this company produces handmade dildos for uh, mineral from minerals like rose quartz and amethyst. So this should be fun. Hold on, where's that testimony? I gotta find that. Um, best part, they are also decorative and a great conversation piece. <laughs> I mean, there's glass dildos. Yes. I mean, and those are also quite decorative. Yes. Um, <laughs> so website says the use results in learning to quiet the mind. <laughs> so <laughs> you're quieting the mind, but not something else, I'm sure. Uh, to feel subtle energies develop emotional intelligence and strengthen self-awareness. You know, I feel like if it's a dildo, you don't want subtle. No, exactly. I feel like that's the wrong thing to be going for with a crystal dildo. And also, using the dildo will help you accept every aspect of who you are as a person. So, the guaranteed stiff. (laughs) If it gets you off, it might as well get you off, and you might as well get your shocker off as well. So they range anywhere from $50 to $200 plus. And so I actually went on the website because I thought this got to be a joke. No, no, it's actually true. And I've got this wonderful little testimonial here. <laughs> this is from Melanie. <laughs> when she bought one of those shock rims. It makes me feel good about what I'm putting in my body, she says. I have a relationship with my shock rub. <laughs> Crystal are, crystals are energy. As powerful as we are. I'm a meditator. My chakra has assisted me in reaching a higher awareness. <laughs> it allows me a new form of meditation that everyone deserves to feel. Instead of racing to an orgasm, chakras make me present enough to want to slow down and enjoy the process. There we go. So there's a solution, ladies. If you're rushing for an orgasm, use a chakra instead. Just savor the pace. See, now I can call out their bullshit right there. Because that's not going to solve your problem. It's a learning curve. Oh, There's a learning curve involved. Having a special magical crystal dildo is not going to help. Well, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> Though I will attest, they are quite pretty. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they are pretty. And they have all, all kinds of things. They have, like, a, you can have them by... Um, looking at the menu here you can have them like anal plugs you have slim curved ones yoni eggs and the original crystal dildo so you don't you don't know what to buy your significant other (laughs) this year for christmas consider a crystal dildo (laughs) oh so you can meditate while having an orgasm oh boy too much fun Oh, it's a shame the other girls are not here for this. That would have been funny as well. <laughs> I think I'll get one for Nancy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she are you sure that's a good idea? No, she, might she might carve shoot it me. down to a blade. Yeah, yeah. She might actually shoot me with it too somehow. Oh, goodness. All right. So <laughs> let's take a quick pause here. And when we come back. Wow, this was a short one this morning. When we come back, we'll be... <laughs> Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to Andrew Torres, lawyer extraordinaire, and the uh, one of the hosts of the Opening Argument podcast. So stay with us. Hi, I'm God, and I just wanted to make sure to tell you not to listen to Unapologetics on Stitcher and SoundCloud. That's Unapologetics with an X at the end. 
But, uh, yeah, definitely do not listen to the show. I mean, I swear to me, all right, I will murder my son. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of already did that, but, uh, don't, just don't listen to the show, okay? Hey, Lucy. Can you not, can you not call me that, okay? We already went over what my name is, okay? It's Lucifer. All right, look, Lucy. Uh, you want to come with me? I'm going to go fuck with this guy, Joe. No, don't, don't do that, okay? Can you just leave him alone? Yeah, I'm gonna kill his family. No, don't, don't do that. I'm gonna give him sores all over his body. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's disgusting. And, uh, I'm gonna kill all of his livestock. Just, uh, stop, stop saying things. Just stop. Yeah, I'm gonna blame the whole thing on you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go, bud. Remember, don't listen to Unapologetics on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Hey, definitely listen to that show. It's awesome. It's really cool. He's really a dick. I heard that. Do you know where Saskatchewan is? Probably not. It's in Canada. If you do, you might know a city named Regina. In Regina, there's a studio. And in that studio, there are, at least once a month, a bunch of skeptical atheist geeks and goofballs who get together to do a podcast. We are the Brainstorm Crew, and we're trying to help spread a bit of reason and critical thinking while still having fun. Never taking things too seriously, but still not accepting everything we're told, we go through different topics, exploring them in depth, and often disagreeing. We try to stick to provable facts, and we never trust a myth. That's why we say we're woo-free since 2013. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm. Or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us. It's also taught us, just in my lifetime, an enormous amount more about how little we know, because we have a, a now an increasingly large idea of the fantastic expanse of the, un, the unknown. That's precisely the moment at which to say that skepticism is what's necessary. Inquiry, debate, doubt. Where's faith in this? Where's the usefulness of faith there? There's no use to it at all. Kirsten, you know that not all heroes wear capes. Very true. And there's a man out there who protects us from the likes of Eli Bosnick. He's a fantastic <laughs> lawyer. He's the host, one of the co-hosts of Opening Argument Podcast. He's a snappy dresser and a sassy dancer. Andrew Torres, thank you so much for coming back and left the rally. <laughs> well, I, I don't know that I can live up to that intro, but thank you so much for having me back on the show. You know, Andrew, I see, I've see i seen pictures of you. You, I, I use that line all the time. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. You are the one that actually you absolutely exemplify that line. <laughs> I've seen you in the suit, good sir. You look pretty sharp. I, I, I do my best. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, no problem. Thank let's you so talk, much. Let's talk, let's talk after the show, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about your fees. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, it's been a while since we've been They are outrageous and exorbitant. They so. absolutely are. That's why you're the best. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. I would not disagree. Not at all. <laughs> 
it's been a while since you've been on the show. Maybe you'd be so kind to give an audience and miss out the first time you were around uh, who you are and what you do. Okay, um, so I am Andrew Torres. I am a real-life practicing lawyer and a puzzle in a thunderstorm wrangler. Um, I, uh, I've been practicing law for 22 years, and I gave up, um, in, in for some unknown reason, uh, a big firm law partnership to go uh, vet uh, Eli Bostic's jokes for a living. So, uh, so that's where I find myself. I'm also the co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, um, which uh, is fantastic. If you're not listening to Opening Arguments, like why? Well, yeah, yeah. Do oh, that now. I, so. I, I love that. You know what? I, that oh, that podcast. I gotta say uh, personally, that jingle you guys have at the beginning there, that that guitar jingle. I love that piece. I wish I would have that. I said, God, I almost want to email you and Thomas. And God, where can I? Can you guys send me an audio clip of that? I just love that jingle. But anyway, yeah, that's a Thomas Smith original. He, Is it? Uh, just sat down and was uh, noodling around on the guitar one day and and banged it out. It was very cool. Yeah, we, when we did one of the most fun episodes uh, that we've done recently was uh, we were talking about the uh, Led Zeppelin lawsuit, right? So mm-hmm. the um, the former uh, the estate of the lead guitarist for a very obscure like late sixties folk rock band called Spirit wrote a song called Taurus and they sued Led Zeppelin claiming that the iconic guitar riff for Stairway to Heaven was ripped mm-hmm. off from Taurus's song Spirit. Um, one of the good smoking gun pieces of evidence is that uh, Led Zeppelin opened for spirit in 1968 right so you know it's it's not a, it's a, it's an interesting lawsuit um but what made the episode super fun was um thomas sat there with his guitar and like you know played stairway right you know don't play stairway is one of the things like played stairway on the show it was very cool so uh in addition to being an an incredible host uh very very smart uh budding almost 60 percent on the bar exam uh thomas smith is also a fantastic guitarist so wow. there you go funny more and more wow. stuff about Thomas. You know, I, you know, you know a lot about copyright law. I've been itching to do a show about copyright law for a long time. I now. do. Oh, yeah, oh, I, I litigate uh, intellectual property and copyright li- issues. So yeah, well, we're I definitely going to have to bring you back just to talk about that. All right, sure. Well, but today. We're talking about something that really puzzles us Canadians, because you know we love to poke gentle fun at American brothers, and you know, and but there are some things that really <laughs> that was that was so great prior to 2017. <laughs> <laughs> we were really like, oh yeah, that's a fantastic you hoes are like yeah, right. It was a great country yeah, before yeah. he elected Mango Mussolini there, <laughs> and, uh, and we we decided to put a criminally insane game show host as our president. <laughs> <laughs> one I've heard yet. <laughs> and he's quite run the ball with it. But there's been a little, whole bunch of things that have been going on in the States, uh, especially regarding abortion. <sighs> and it seems to us, you know, uh, you know, as a Canadian, if a politician up here basically says, we're going to reopen the abortion debate, you just committed po- a political suicide. You just, you just shot yourself in the face at this point. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. But we're seeing this movement in the states where they're trying really really hard to to bring this uh, the roe versus way to, to tear it down and all that and unfortunately we're starting to see this movement come across the border slowly mm-hmm. but surely we were talking earlier today how about that movie that came out in march for you guys called uh, unplanned 
Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, was, my uh, my my colleagues over at uh, God Awful Movies actually did an episode on Unplanned. Um, it is it is billed as being based on a true story, mm-hmm. and if by based you mean one hundred percent the opposite of, that would be correct. <laughs> um, literally, no, and, and, and again, I mean, I'm cracking a little bit of a joke there, but uh, almost everything you see on the screen in that movie is uh, completely false, uh, either you know medically, ethically. Mm-hmm. factually like it's just it's it's nonsense wow. well the, the thing is is this movie for some reason uh, has just opened in canada yesterday right and for some reason i don't know why it took so long to, to come up here but it, it now it is opening across the country in 50 theaters uh we've had some uh where is it uh we had the um yeah, yeah, with the uh, the Globe and Mail, the newspapers are calling it a, a malicious and potentially dangerous religious and pol- political propaganda. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so the Canadian Psychological Association is condemning the, the the movie itself and all that stuff. But in the states, it does seem, it seems to be just rolling off the back of the general population, and the Americans seem to be going with this. So I thought, you know, who better than Andrew to explain to us what the hell is going on, Andrew? Oh, um, well, uh, thanks. Um, I, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the vote of confidence. I wish it could be under better circumstances. Um, he, here's so so. Let's separate out like the the political aspect from what we consider like the, the constitutional rights aspect of this debate, right? So, from purely a political standpoint, every major polling institution in this country. Uh, when you ask in a neutral fashion uh, where individuals stand on abortion rights, uh, it, it shows anywhere from significant to overwhelming majorities in favor of abortion rights, particularly in the first trimester of a, of a woman's pregnancy. Right? Um, as you start slicing that pie more narrowly, you get you know you get more. Um, nuanced answers and you can get smaller and smaller majorities Uh, but this is we are in the united states a a pro-choice nation um and and rather overwhelmingly so right like the the position that um semen meeting an egg equals a human being is uh, held only by you know a tiny tiny minority fraction in this country unfortunately um due to gerrymandering and all of the structural problems inherent in this country um it it is it it is a a very popular minority position uh but it is still the position of a distinct minority now so so you see you see you said that this is a political problem you guys are having yeah shocking uh i know i know (laughs) um and and so right, right and the way in which our parties break down um, fairly reliably, and I, I'd be I'd be curious in in Canada. Like I just haven't studied the the demographic suit, so so tell me. Um, in the United States, generally speaking, the greater the population density, the more liberal the population. Right. Mm-hmm. So, liberals are are 
more liberal party that the Democrats tend to live in cities. Our more conservative party tends to live in rural areas. That that hold true in Canada as well? Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's okay. very much the same. And the, 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 the proportion is very similar. I've always said the Americans are basically a quarter Democrat, a quarter Republican, and maybe half of that after that is uh, independence. And I think in Canada, it's pretty similar to that as well in numbers. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so if you take, and again, and, and I realize like our states, your provinces, right? It's a similar kind of uh, federalist structure, right? Where there are I- increasing concentric shells of, uh, of regulation uh, of, of, of governmental authorities. Yeah. Um, and so if, if the, the, the U.S. Constitution, if our supreme law is silent and we say, you know what, like, um, it's just going to be up to each state to decide uh, whether to permit or to regulate or to outlaw abortion, right? If you think about that on, on, on a scale, um, then the result will be that states that have comparatively few cities and that are more uh, rural states will then outlaw abortion because they'll, they'll have a greater percentage of, uh, of Republican voters. And, you know, states that have large cities uh, will will tend to, to permit abortion. And then you have to add, and so like so that would be the regulatory framework in the absence of any kind of constitutional mechanism. Right. And what do we mean by constitutional mechanism? Right. Like one of the things that people on both sides of the aisle say here in the United States is, hey, it's a free country. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's a free country is something that actually has uh, a significant basis um, in our Constitution in the in the in the uh, the Bill of Rights and the Fourteenth Amendment enshrining uh, in enshrining fundamental rights that are guaranteed to to every person in this country um, and and one of them is the notion that uh, the is is uh, in both the fifth and the fourteenth amendments the idea that uh, the state cannot deprive you of quote your liberty without due process of law mm-hmm. right and so you would say to yourself like well what does liberty mean right and and that's a tr- that, right that's an open ended question right mm-hmm. and 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 so in in this country beginning in the late nineteen fifties and early nineteen sixties. The our Supreme Court started trying to figure out what that meant, mm-hmm. and one of the oh, sorry that's my puppy, um, <laughs> and and so one of the things that the court uh, that the Supreme Court uh, kind of quickly realized was when you think about what it means to have a free country, right? Um, part part of part of that from an from a uh, you know, just a just a, a non-legal perspective is, well, hey, um, maybe the government shouldn't be intervening in your bedroom, in deeply held relationships, right? In marriage, in your family, in that kind of right. Like that—that mm-hmm. that seems to be the kind of thing that when you say, "Hey, we live in a free country," you're like, "Yeah, okay, that definitely does count as a liberty interest, right?" Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. in the United States, I—I—I I, <laughs> I, I used to say this is a laugh line five years ago. It's now less of one, um, but. 
like in the 1960s, there used to be laws in states where pharmacies would not sell contraceptives to unmarried individuals. Oh, right? really? Yeah, no, and I mean, like, right, that's, that's, look, it's not in my lifetime, it's in my parents' lifetime, right? Like, you couldn't go into, you couldn't go, you know, you couldn't go to a convenience store and buy condoms at all, but you couldn't go into a pharmacy and be like, you know what, um, I'd like to buy some condoms, or I, yeah, I'd like to buy, uh, you know, the, the birth control pill, like, they'd be like, well, are you married? And, and all of a sudden, people started bringing lawsuits challenging that and they're like look i don't know exactly what what it means that we live in a free country but like by god that like like if we live in a free country at all it ought to mean that you don't ask me if i'm married to the person that i'm having sex with right like that 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 seems like and and you know and i'm i'm saying it in a in a in a colloquial kind of sense but but that's actually what the supreme court said they were like look fundamental to the idea of ordered liberty are certain basic concepts that are inherent in fundamental rights that are that are deeply personal to the individual and one of those is the notion of sex Mm. marriage procreation Mm -hmm. right um we shouldn't. You shouldn't have to default. Uh, 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 sorry, wrong word. You you should not have to uh, get approval from a government bureaucrat mm-hmm. before you can buy a condom, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that case, that's a 1968 case, right? That's how recent this is. 50 years ago, called Griswold versus Connecticut, that said, "Yeah, you know what? Like, uh, we're not we're not entirely sure what liberty means, but if liberty means anything, it definitely means um, let's not ask. Uh, have you put a ring on it before you're taking it to bed? Right? Like, that's that's not that's not where this country is going. No, I totally get that. Um, One of our uh, former prime ministers did say, you know, the government has no business in the bedroom of Canadians. Yeah. And I think that uh, that uh, explains it very well. But a quick question. So in the 1960s, if you wanted to buy condom and you, you told them you just wanted to make some really big, funky balloon animals without a word. <laughs> Again, um, it, so serious answer to the question. <laughs> it, it was, it, it, and this is, this is the point that I want to drive home. In the absence of a constitutional right, it's then up to the state and local legislatures to figure out if they want to regulate it or not, mm-hmm. right? And so the answer to that question was not like everywhere was a Gestapo state. And I, no, it wasn't. But the answer was if the local legislature said, you know, had had their equivalent of like the 1960s version of One Million Moms or whatever was like, we have a problem with, you know, youth uh, fornication in this country. Like they could pass a law and you couldn't do anything about it. Right. And all of these. Right. Uh, the, 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 the idea was, should this be something that's up to a vote? Right. Should my behavior in the bedroom be subject to ratification by the majority? Right. And Griswold v. Connecticut said, you know what? There's some things that we think are not up to the majority. Some things it makes perfect sense to defer. Right. Like so when you look at at your local like uh, 
the street outside my house. Like, should that be a two-way street or should it be a one-way street? Should the speed limit be 25 or should it be 40? Right, yeah, like those are the kinds of things when you're, which are like, oh, okay, why don't we leave that up to a vote, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And if the legislature screws up, right, if, if down a residential neighborhood they make the speed limit 55 miles an hour and they put a, you know, four-lane road in oh. my tiny little development, then y- you know what? People are going to vote out the idiots that allowed them to do that, and they're going to vote in a a new slate of people, and they're probably going to fix it. And, you know, democracy, right? You know, it's it's the worst system of government created except for all the others, right? Like, (laughs) it's... we think that that works, right? But there are some things that we think shouldn't be left up to a vote, mm-hmm. right? And we generally tend to think that when they fall into one of two classes, when they either fall into the class of, or, or, or both, these can overlap, of stuff the government doesn't have an interest in, right? Mm-hmm. That is being in your bedroom or uh, and or in the area of um, areas where there's been a systematic and identifiable what what in, in our Supreme Court jurisprudence they call a discrete and insular minority that like the government has consistently over time come down with both feet on this minority. And if you submit it to a vote like, yeah, they're they're losing time and time again. That's what it means to be in the minority. Mm-hmm. And and the idea in the Constitution is that it enshrines certain rights that are, are never meant to have been submitted to the jurisdiction of the majority in the first place. The best example of that, which we're also losing, which, you know, we could do an, a, another episode on it, you know, it'd be too long of a rabbit trail, but like the First Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. Like the First mm-hmm. Amendment was meant to say um, lots of people have weird religions or no religion, and if we submit to a majority vote, do we like Jews, do we like Muslims, do we like atheists? They would probably say no, but you know what? We don't want you on something that is as core to your identity as religious belief to have to be in a position where you've got to persuade 51% of the population that you're okay. We're going to be like, no, you know what? We're just going to put all of that beyond majority vote. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the distinction. I, 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 I feel like I've wandered a little bit far afield, but like that's the distinction between if something is a constitutional right, it means it's out of the, ambit of a majority to regulate even if they want to mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah yeah so in this country for 150 years well i mean you know there wasn't contraception in the uh, 18th century but like you know for for a long time right family planning intimate marital relationships um were considered up for grabs in the 1950s and 1960s, uh, all of a sudden we said, you know what? Um, this seems like the kind of thing that is implicit in the concept of ordered liberty that shouldn't be up for grabs. And even if lots of people disagree with your decision to have sex out of wedlock, like uh, that's what being in a free country is all about. And that set the stage for Roe v. Wade in 1973, um, which was an extension of the Griswold case um, in which – what the Supreme Court, and by the way, Roe v. Wade, a 7-2 decision, not particularly, we have nine justices on our Supreme Court, mm-hmm. right? And all of our cases right now are 5-4, they're super narrow, they they line up on ideological grounds. This was 7-2, right? This was wow. not close. Um, this was not super controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Protestant 
churches in the United States were not lined up in opposition at this time. They were later organized in the late 70s due to a uh, uh, a political organization rather than a, 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 an ecumenical organization. Um, but uh, but you no, know, this this kind of came and went uh, and did not really change the cultural landscape uh, when the the Supreme Court decision first came down. And and that initial Roe v. Wade decision. Um, in my view, and it is, it has been modified. I'm going to talk about um, the way in which it's been modified in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the first Roe v. Wade decision, um, s- lots of lawyers uh, ha- have have criticized it. In in my view, it is a very, very sensible decision. And basically, what the Supreme Court said was this: They said, "Look, um, we have two kinds of things." that the state can care about here, right? On the one hand, we have the liberty interest of the woman who's involved, right? Of the person who's become pregnant. And that person has an autonomy right to control her own body uh, that is consistent with uh, the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments. They used a weird phrase called penumbra, which refers to lunar shadows that you know conservatives have mocked. But but you don't have to get hung up on that. It, it was really really simple. They're like, look, on the one hand, you have the liberty interest of the pregnant person, and I should say, um, trans men uh, uh, can also get pregnant. So I want I want to be inclusive in in, in my language as well. Yeah. But um, but the, the the Supreme Court used the language of women. I'm 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 discussing a 1973 opinion. Um, so uh, so keep that in mind. Um, So on the one hand, you have the liberty interest of the pregnant person. On the other hand, you have the legitimate state interest in preserving potential human life of its citizens, right? And so what the Supreme Court did was said, you know what? We got to balance these these two competing interests, right? That it's not that people don't have autonomy and it's not that the state can't say um, we care about – potential fetuses that might be born within our jurisdiction it's which interest controls and in roe v wade what the court said was okay here's how we're going to split this up um we're going to split this up in kind of a trimester approach right um uh average pregnancy it's it's you know 40 weeks but but it's nine months right it's three trimesters of three months apiece Mm -hmm. and so in the first trimester the woman's liberty interest is paramount and so states may not restrict abortion within that first trimester Mm -hmm. Uh, in the last trimester the state's uh, interest in protecting potential future life is paramount and so states may ban abortion in that third trimester and then in the middle you know what like it, it it's they're in equipose right like we're, we're not sure it's a tough call and so what we're going to allow to have happen is we're going to allow states to regulate but not ban abortion in that middle trimester and 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 the reason that that roe v wade and and and, and look like i get criticized i'm a i'm a pretty liberal guy um the reason that roe v wade gets criticized uh from the left and when i defend it i i get um angry emails from um from folks who are who are further left who say you know the woman's interest should be paramount throughout the entire pregnancy mm-hmm. okay right that, that's a fair argument right I, i'm not saying that that's not but but what the supreme court has to do is they have to say okay you've got a good argument but you know what the state's got a good argument too how do we find something that people can live with yeah, right exactly. and 
And that's the compromise that they created with Roe v. Wade, which in my view, I, I, I wish we had stuck with the original Roe v. Wade decision. Um, we did not. Uh, and, 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 and what happened was in the 1980s, um, the we elected uh, in 1980, we elected Ronald Reagan, a very conservative Republican to be president. Uh, he swept into office. Uh, with a a conservative Senate, the Republicans took back the Senate, um, and and so there was sort of a conservative renaissance in this country in the early 1980s. And so states, having now uh, the Republican Party having aligned itself with uh, the pro life anti abortion position, um, started passing trial legislation right Mm. and they passed trial legislation that was not constitutional under the roe v wade standard Mm. and and that's the way our supreme court works like it's it's kind of weird um our under our constitution and the canadian constitution is, is is similar our courts do not render advisory opinions right so you can't go to a, 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 with with the exception of certified questions, which is a rabbit trail. We're not going to go down, but you can't go to a court by and large and say, uh, "Hey, um, I'm just curious. Do we have a right to an abortion?" Right? Like you 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 go to a court when you've been hurt, and you ask mm. that court to fix the problem. Right? Yes. So when a state passes an unconstitutional law, it is incumbent upon the residents of that state to then challenge that law in court. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah cool. So so that's what happened. So in particular here, the state of Pennsylvania passed a couple of different laws, and the, the one I'm going to focus on was a parental consent law. And they said that um, women under the age of 18, young girls, um, had to get the consent of their parents uh, or if it was the case of, of incest or uh, the, the consent of the parents was not practicable, um, they had to get the consent of – they had to go to court and they had to get a, a court order uh, before they could have an abortion. And this very clearly violated the rule of Roe v. Wade because it applied even to first trimester abortions. And mm. Roe v. Wade said um, – no, no, like, right, remember that all, we trimester thing, like, you could pass this regulation in the second and third trimesters, but not in the first. And yeah. uh, the, the the state of Pennsylvania um, uh, defended itself uh, against a lawsuit brought by uh, Planned Parenthood. Uh, uh, Bob Casey was the governor of Pennsylvania at the time. And so the decision, 1989 decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, uh, challenging the constitutionality of... Uh, parental consent laws in mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, and what the Supreme Court said was, um, they said basically two things. They said number one, uh, we're going to reaffirm the central holding of Roe, and that is that there is a liberty interest inherent in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment of our Constitution to uh, for a woman to have an abortion. Right, that that is um, something that 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 counts in a constitutional calculus right uh but then they said look we're going to scrap the trimester system that roe v wade came up with and instead we're going to replace it with a single test and that new test from planned parenthood versus casey and again 1989 30 years ago was does the state's regulation 
impose an undue burden on a woman seeking to have an abortion. Mm. Um, so think about that in terms of Roe v. Wade gave you a really clear roadmap, right? Uh-huh. First trimester, can't do anything. Second trimester, regulate but not ban. Third trimester, you can ban. Very straightforward. Yeah. You've replaced that now with, now you can't do an undue burden. So the entire game in this country for the religious right for the last three decades has been, well, you know, this new law that we're passing doesn't constitute an undue burden. Um, and, and as you might imagine, for something that was sort of made up out of whole cloth, um, the results have been really, really inconsistent, right? So uh, conservative courts have said that obviously pretextual regulations, things where like this has happened, this has been passed twice in, uh, in, in Texas and Louisiana, where they have required abortion clinics to comply with you know, a, a set of, of requirements, like every doctor in an abortion clinic has to have admitting privileges at the nearest hospital mm-hmm. and the facilities have to have like a level five NICU. And it's like all of this crazy crap that is just meant to increase the cost on abortions. And right. And, and, and so all of these kind and the Texas courts have been like, yep, nope, that's not an undue burden. Um, Fortunately, at the Supreme Court level, that has uh, those specific laws have, have been rejected. Uh, but that's been the battleground, right? That's the way to understand up until today how new states are passing laws. Like what they're trying to do, the entirety of the question is uh, how can we pass this law and then argue with a straight face this isn't an undue burden on someone seeking an abortion. A quick question for you, Andrew. Um, yep. if, we, if we go back to the original Roe Ro versus Wade with the trimester, mm-hmm. how, uh, how long does it take for the court to process things in the U.S.? Because yeah, I'm a damn if, long time. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. So if you get a woman that she's pregnant, she's in her first trimester, by the time she gets to court, she could be in her third, which of yep. course changes yep. everything down all of a sudden. And 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 it is, um, and all of these abortion cases wind up. I mean, this is a, it's a really really perceptive question. Um, all of these abortion cases wind up being decided after you know the the. I mean, use your favorite metaphor. After you know the 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 horse has escaped from the barn, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right? Like it is. Um, it it takes. Uh, months upwards of a year on the most expedited time frame to bring a lawsuit to conclusion at a trial court uh, then about another year for that to go to the uh, appeal that you have of right uh, and then you petition for certiorari which is uh, review in our in our uh, Supreme Court, well, like yours, uh, our Supreme Court doesn't have to take cases. They take the cases that they want to take. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're three years out. Um, and there's a, a weird wrinkle. Like I started this talking about standing, mm-hmm. um, in which the, the Supreme Court says we only listen to cases where there's an actual real harm. Um, and, and in all of these cases, right, like either, the woman has had an abortion or has given birth long before the decision comes out, right? It yeah. takes multiple years. And, and, and the courts have basically crafted a, a, an exception, right? <laughs> it is, it's, it's, it's called capable of repetition yet evading review. 
Um, and and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's like, okay, we get it. Because uh, our courts are slow, you gave birth while this was pending. Uh, but you could get pregnant again. This could this problem could come back up. So we're still going to give you an answer in your case, even though to that individual person um, that that uh, in a practical basis the lawsuit has become moot. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. Wow. That's 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 pretty fascinating and amazing at the same time. Goodness gracious! Yeah, and look, you want it you want it to be that way, right? Otherwise, right, then you would never be able to challenge these regulations, Absolutely. right? Like, yeah, otherwise the government could just run out the clock every single time uh, and be like, oh well, it, uh, she sure don't look pregnant anymore to me, right? You know, <laughs> so you 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 don't want to allow the question to become moot that's the yet yet you know uh capable of evading review right you 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 don't want to set up a situation that makes it impossible to ever get an answer yeah Uh, but it's a look it's a tricky balance and that question of standing gets litigated again and again in all of these abortion cases so now the the, the conservatives have, to re, to recap here the conservatives have moved down under Reagan which I, for the life of me I can't understand why people love Ronald Reagan I think he's probably the worst president you guys ever had aside Trump uh, and <laughs> yeah and, there's a lot of competition at the bottom of the pool now yeah so. I know I, I don't so people talk about Reagan like he's some saint I I, I still don't get it but anyway uh, and then and then the the Christians basically are playing the card of we're muddying the waters you know by by producing some terms, you know, undo, undo uh, harm and, uh, and stuff like that. What does that mean? We're not exactly yeah. sure. Yeah. So, so now, fast forward to in the 2000s, uh, the, the law is still standing with those, uh, those uh, edicts from the 1980s? Yeah. So, so this is, and, 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 and what I'm about to, to go through, um, this is the thing, if I could have this principle placed on my tombstone as my epitaph right like this is the important thing that i am fighting for Patreon go. <laughs> this is this is the cause <laughs> of my show and my public life and um and 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 it's a it's a bit of an abstract principle but it's really really important to me um and it is called the principle of stare decisis right and that means that's latin uh, and I'm probably botching it because I'm not really good at Latin. Uh, it's Latin for like, let the decision stand. Mm. And it means this, right? Um, everybody, and I mean everybody plus or minus 10% in this country uh, who who is a lawyer uh, subscribes to a model of jurisprudence. So we learned this in law school. And this is what I call the ordinary model of jurisprudence. And it goes something like this. Our Constitution enshrines these vague principles uh, into law that were meant to be principles, right? Yeah. So, right. So, we talked about like what is a liberty interest, right? Like, did the founding fathers think about abortion or birth control? Or no, they didn't think about any of that, right? Because we didn't have birth control in yeah. 1789, because it was the 18th century, and you were trying not to die of dysentery, right? <laughs> but, but what they did was. They had general principles that they enshrined into the law. And these are things that that um, like we ju- you know, we just had the Fourth of July a week and a half ago. Right. Like when when we celebrate our Independence Day and people get out and wave flags and they think like, what's good about America? Like you say things like we have 
freedom of speech, right? We're a free country, right? And and that's literally like the kind of stuff that it says in our constitution, right? It says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, right? Mm-hmm. Well, right. What's yeah? I, okay, I know what my life is, but like, what's a liberty? What's a process? How much of it am I due? Yeah. Right? Like, and mm-hmm. and so the way in which lawyers answer that question is by looking at cases over time, right? And so 1789, uh, we passed the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution. It says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And then courts for the past 230 years have been saying, okay, liberty means, right, the right to buy contraceptives. Here's what liberty doesn't mean. It doesn't mean the right to buy pornographic magazines. This was a big battle when I was a kid, right? Like um, the, our local um, uh, our, our local convenience store, you have 7-Elevens in Canada. Oh, yeah. yes. that, right? Yeah, right. So our 7-Elevens used to have uh, <laughs> what were delightfully referred to as pornographic magazines back then, you know, uh, Playboy, you know, topless women uh, yep. uh, on in racks at the 7-Eleven. And kids used to hang out at the 7-Eleven and buy Slurpees and candy. And again, the same moral majority, you know, kind of went forward and was like, uh, we'd like to pass a law that makes 7-Eleven not be able to stock pornographic magazines. And so there were these cases that said, is uh, a a law preventing 7-Eleven from stocking uh, Playboy magazine, does that violate the First Amendment's freedom of speech clause? Uh, or does it, uh, you know, it's not freedom of speech. This is, we're just talking about a, and, and, and there was a case called Miller versus California that said, you know what? Um, 7-Eleven, yeah, uh, uh, local communities, it, 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 and, and this is, this was the holding, um, that communities have the right to say, we're going to restrict the way in which magazines are sold. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, obviously, that seems pretty quaint in the era of the internet um, that you would be worried about, you know, topless women in a magazine at your 7-Eleven. Uh, but gosh, this was a huge issue in the 1970s and 1980s. Um, but 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 my, my point in this little like foray down pornographic lane um, is is that the way in which lawyers understand what these broad based terms like freedom of speech or establishment of religion or due process of law. The way in which we figure out what these broad phrases mean is by looking at what previous courts have done, right? Mm -hmm. We say, oh, that we got 230 years of history. Um, What's the closest case, right? And so if if the Supreme Court says, as they did in Miller versus California, that controlling the way in which pornographic magazines are displayed in a 7-Eleven does not violate the First Amendment, then you know what? Then, like, when you have a case involving does Blockbuster Video have to, you know, can can Blockbuster Video put the X-rated movies in in a room in the back? Like... That then doesn't go up to the courts because everybody's like, oh, okay, I get it, right? Like the Supreme Court has said, yeah, you're not violating freedom of speech if you have mm-hmm. a special room with the black curtain that you got to go back and, you know, right? Like, like that's how a body of law develops, mm-hmm. and that yes. is the ordinary model of jurisprudence, and and the way in which it works. And I, I'm, I'm I realize I'm a little bit down a rabbit trail here on on porn. That's but, okay, we do that uh, all that's the time. Okay. We talk it's about porn pay all the time. Off, here. I promise. It's Kevin's I favorite promise. area. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, mine too. That's why we're there. Um, it, it, the reason why that works is the principle of stare decisis. And it, it links all of this together. The, the Supreme Court in 1989 uh, that decided the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision was a conservative court. Right. Um, it was uh, the, the the chief justice was William Rehnquist. Uh, Ronald Reagan had made three appointments to the court. And the idea was, oh, hey, look, we have a much more conservative Supreme Court now. Um, let's see if we can't uh, get Roe v. Wade overturned. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and and what the court said was, look, um, and, 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 and this opinion was written by uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, very famous uh, swing justice uh, in in this country for 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 25 years um, and she said look um, if I were deciding Roe v Wade right now uh, I'd go the other way I think it's wrongly decided I don't think it's a great decision um, hmm. and and again keep in mind I disagree with her you, you heard me strenuously defend Roe v Wade in the yes. first part yes. of the show but but this is Sandra Day O'Connor she's like I'm a I'm a conservative justice uh, I think Roe v Wade was wrongly decided but that was 16 years ago. Um, it's been a part of our landscape, and um, it deserves respect as precedent. And I can't come along now. I wasn't on the Supreme Court in 1973. If I had been, I would have voted the other way. But I wasn't, uh, and I'm stuck with this decision. And the principle of stare decisis means unless I am convinced that this decision is an abomination Unless it is unworkable and unjustifiable and terrible, we're going to let it stand, right? And 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 this and 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 that's why I I told this whole sort of slightly meandering story here. Yeah. That is crucial. Look, like I don't want Supreme Court decisions to be inviolate, right? There are right there are terrible right uh, Dred Scott v. Sanford, mm-hmm. right, which says that. Uh, African-Americans were property like that's an abomination of a decision. And you should say, um, yeah, this is an abomination of a decision. It's wrong. Stare decisis doesn't hold. Same thing with Brown v. Board of Education, right? 1954 case, uh, which says that uh, that separation, that separate is inherently unequal. It overturned an 1896 case, uh, Plessy v. Ferguson, that said, eh, you know, you can have separate schools for uh, black kids and white kids and it'll be fine. Uh, and and. You know, 60 years later, the court was like, no, 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 that 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 the separate is inherently unequal. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have these watershed moments where you go back and you go, oh, boy, we got that wrong. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, but to me, that should be the threshold. Right. If you're going to overturn a prior decision, you need to say to the rest of the court and the rest of the country this was wrong. This was indefensibly wrong, and we're going to change it. And and now, right, this is where it, it kind of comes full circle. The Supreme Court that now has two Trump nominees on it mm. is a court that does not care about stare decisis. Mm. They do, it's Clarence Thomas has now said in print, right? So you, you've got you've got Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he joins uh, Alito and and Clarence Thomas, uh, the, who are who are holdovers from previous administrations, and 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 John Roberts, who is mostly on board. Uh, I, I call the first four the Howler Monkey contingent. <laughs> uh, they are they are right wing activists, uh, and they do not care 
about precedent. They do not. And, and, and Clarence Thomas has said in print in a dissent in this this past uh, this past term in a concurrence, actually, um, that stare decisis has no force when the prior decision was wrongly decided. Mm. Oh, geez. Well, well, by definition, if you th- right, like everything that you're about to overrule, you think was wrongly decided. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's where we are. And so when people say that this court is poised to overrule Roe v. Wade, they mean it in two ways, right? They mean first that you have a composition of justices that, if this were a question of first impression, would certainly come out the other way. No question about that. Yeah. Um, but but then they also mean something much more severe and and much more dangerous to this country, and that is that. Not only would they have ruled differently if they could time travel back to 1973, but they don't care that Roe v. Wade has been the law of the land for almost 50 years and has worked out just fine, right? They want to change by Supreme Court, by judicial fiat, the fundamental landscape of what we think of as rights and constraints against the government and they want to do so for no better reason than they don't agree with the mm-hmm. prior decision that and that's scary. terrifying that is they want terrifying. they want what they want and it doesn't matter whatever anyone else has done this is what they want yeah as long as, long as yeah. jeebus approves then that's all you care about yeah. yeah well and and look like i i am I, on on my show i i devoted two episodes uh because i'm a geek like this but but to <laughs> to an incredibly an otherwise obscure decision it's called janus versus asks me okay that's the american uh federation of state and county municipal workers right Mm -hmm. um and and janus versus ask me has nothing to do with abortion it has nothing to do with gay rights it has to do with how union dues for public unions for like public teachers in this country Mm -hmm. um can be allocated right and so it has not gotten a lot of attention, um, and the second this decision came out, I, I, I was trying to sound the alarm about it. And, and the reason was that it, it asked a question that was asked in a previous qu- case, a case called Abood from 1971 that was 50 years old. And, and the question was, um, given that public sector unions represent everybody that's within their their jurisdiction right so let's let's stick with the example of of school teachers right in this country if you are a public school teacher you are represented by the union uh you don't get to negotiate your salary the union negotiates the salary on your behalf and you know we think that collective bargaining means that you get better wages and conditions as as a result right um it is already part of the law that uh, that the union may not use your uh, mandatory dues for political purposes. They have to fundraise uh, under uh, separate auspices, right? Yeah. Um, but this was a question of um, can the union require you to pay your dues as a as a purpose, uh, you know, as a as a uh, function of them representing you um, when you disagree with them politically. And that question was definitively answered 50 years ago in the Abood case, right? In which the the Supreme Court, again, 7-2 decision, not controversial, said, 
Yeah, of course, right? Like, they're negotiating on your behalf. you got to pay your dues. Yeah. You don't have to pay the political stuff, but you do have to pay the administrative stuff. Yeah. And, um, and again, notice the word can, yeah. right? So several, uh, 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 almost 30 states in this country uh, became what they euphemistically called right-to-work states. Oh, yes, um, yes. You, could, you could pass the law that says you don't have to pay your union dues, right? And, and in 30 of those states, they passed those laws. But the right wing was not happy about that because in 20 states, they failed to convince a majority to pass right-to-work laws. And so unions had some force, particularly in Michigan. And so they relitigated the exact same case, exact same question as Abood in this Janus case. And the Supreme Court, on a 5-4 basis, said, oh. hey, you know what? We've changed our mind. We don't. No. You know Public sector unions, you don't have to pay into dues if you don't want to. Oh, um, God damn it. And again, right, the outcome is bad, but what was truly scary, and then that got some attention, but what was truly scary was they just uprooted the law for no better reason than Sam Alito disagreed with the Abood decision and said, I want that off the books. Um, and, and so now what you had, and that was a signal, right? And And so, you know, Political activists maybe didn't notice it, but the right wing in particular, the Federalist Society, which is an institution here in this country that is uh, designed to try and take over the judiciary uh, or judicial branch and replace our judges with uh, conservative political activists. Um, they were like, oh, good. You've told us the floodgates are open. Let's challenge everything. Right? Oh, and the moment that the Janus case came down, I said, um, this means that Roe v. Wade is up for grabs. It means that uh, Obergefell versus Hodges, which is our uh, Supreme Court gay marriage decision, is up for grabs. Literally everything that this court has ever decided as an individual right is now up for grabs because the court has said um, the past doesn't mean anything anymore. If we think that was wrongly decided, we're going to overturn it. And it's terrifying. And of yeah. course, it's, it's all because of partisan politics at the same time. So, wow. That is, yeah. yeah, that is absolutely terrifying. Holy moly. Uh, okay, so, Andrew, if I may ask your personal opinion on this, it seems to me that whenever you're dealing with this, this conservative movement, um, facts don't matter to them, uh, and, and, and they'll philosophize their way into uh, their way of thinking. So, is the approach to keeping Roe v. Wade intact or to, to a certain extent anyway, to keep the abortion right in the States, is, is, does the, the question hinder on maybe the definition of personhood? So, that is, so let me, let me, let me answer the question. Um, the notion of defining a, an embryo as a human being is something that has been floated by conservative activists in this country for a very, very long time. It is so preposterously, horribly, stupidly unworkable um, mm -hmm. that I think even this Supreme Court is not going to, to, to latch onto it. And a really good example of that is a, a case uh, that, that just came up in Alabama, which is uh, one of our most backwards right-wing conservative states. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it is. It's a very rural, uh, pro-Trump, um, low education, uh, it, it, you know, state, and um, and so there was a, there was a fight between two women 
um, started by a pregnant woman. <gasps> yes, um, this one. And as a yeah, you know we, where I'm going. We, yeah, and, we talked and, about and it last so, week. Yeah, right. So she got in a fight with another woman, uh, miscarried, and because she started the fight, uh, the state of Alabama initially arrested her and charged her with murder. Um, that's. Can I swear on this show? Yes. No, you can't fucking okay. swear. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> right? Like, that's insane. And I don't care how conservative, how religious, how whatever you are. There isn't, uh, yeah, maybe there are a handful, but there's almost nobody in this country who's like, yeah, that woman should be prosecuted as a murderer. Absolutely. Right? Like, that yeah. was all on her. She absolutely had that coming. She did it. Absolutely. As soon yeah. as you're pregnant, you're yeah. just an incubator in Alabama. It, it 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 it's it's crazy and and look like that there's there's more coming where where where, where that comes from right so but uh, for example right if uh if you are a woman and you force feed your toddler alcohol and cigarettes um you you will probably and rightfully be arrested in this country for child abuse yeah right um. I don't think that anywhere in this country we're ready to say that a woman who has an alcoholic beverage or smokes a cigarette while pregnant should be treated the same way, right? Like you can you can mm-hmm. do this a million different ways, and it's it's why I've said like I don't believe this is my it, it always takes me a little bit to answer a question, but but it's why I do not believe, even though the hallmark of the extreme right wing has been to say that you know personhood begins at conception um that that is just so stupid um and it would cause so many problems that like even a very activist very conservative supreme court is not going to go there because and 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 i want i want to be really really clear on this um brett kavanaugh neil gorsuch sam alito are smart people right Eh, clarence thomas less so um uh, and, and and look, and I want to be clear on that one too. Right? Like Clarence Thomas is stupid for a Supreme Court justice in the way that George W. Bush was stupid for a U.S. president. Right? Like George W. Bush, nevertheless, like had a had a degree from Harvard Business School. Right? Like he he was not he was he was dumb in the way. Like the analogy I often use, uh, if if you watch The Simpsons, like there there was a there was a great bit in which they cast Mo in a sitcom, mm. right? And they were like, and and the the producer comes on and like does a you know wild-eyed double take and is like Bleh! and and uh and his assistant producer is like well you said get ugly and he's like i meant tv ugly not ugly ugly right <laughs> um and and look until now until donald trump who is truly stupid right like uh, <laughs> it, it, until that like when we said politicians are stupid we yeah we mean politicians stupid right like we don't mean stupid yeah. stupid right like yeah. clarence thomas if, if if you saw a speech by clarence thomas, if he were you know talking in front of a group of you and 50 of your closest friends you'd be like all right that's a smart dude right like he's he's not an idiot right he's he's only an idiot in comparison to the standards for being on the supreme court which are and ought to be very very high right yeah. you would um, think yeah you you would think um and, and 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 look, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh meet that bar. Um, the next proposed Trump candidate, Amy Coney Barrett, 
who is currently a, uh, a a judge on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, does not meet that. She's an idiot, right? Like she's she's a a, a religious zealot and an idiot. Yeah. Um, so you know it it, it could get worse. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, like it it, it the, these by and large are not people that are measured against the entire population. Um, you know, mentally uh, defective, uh, but 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 they are when measured against their peers. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, 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 sorry, I was on a slight rant there. That's and okay. I, that's I, I've okay. Lost my, rant I'm away. Rant away. Well, so Andrew, in, in conclusion here, if we if we're to preserve <laughs> the freedoms of for women to have an abortion, you know, maybe in the spirit of the old Roe v. Wade, because, you know, it's pretty reasonable, let's face it. Nobody nobody actually likes abortion. No. But, you know, we understand it's a necessary evil in a way, quote-unquote. Uh, as a lawyer, what would you recommend the average citizen does? Yep, and and, and this is... I, I did an episode of the, of the show called Kansas Shows Us the Way. Mm-hmm. Um, the The... This is what I want to drive home, um, and and I often start with the quote from uh, one of my all time favorite movies, the the Bill Murray classic Groundhog Day, <laughs> yeah. uh, in which uh, 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 Bill Murray as Phil Connors is delivering the weather in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and this is uh, at the at the nadir, at the lowest point of he's coming back from from uh, 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 you know trying to kill himself over and over again. Uh, and realizes that he's stuck repeating this day. And he says, uh, with respect to the weather forecast, he says, it's going to be cold, it's going to be gray, and it's going to last you the rest of your life. <laughs> um, and and that, and, 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 and it's funny, and I like to get the galaver. That's where our Supreme Court is. That is almost right now, it, 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 within a year, that is where almost the entirety of the United States judiciary, federal judiciary will be. You have to say, we are not going to get relief from the courts. We are not going to have constitutional checks against the excesses of a right-wing government. Mm-hmm. It will not happen. If you get it, great. You know, you you went up to the, to the roulette wheel and you spun a double zero uh, take your money and go home. Don't you? Know, it's not gonna. It's not gonna hit twice. Yeah. Um, the way in which we need to protect our basic rights is going to be through state and local activism. Mm. Um, that sucks. Okay. And the reason that sucks is because the whole point of constitutional rights, this goes all the way back to the beginning of the show, is to protect people who are in a minority and who cannot get fifty point one percent or more of their state organized to support them. Um, that's what we got to do right now. We have to we have to win the battle in the court of public opinion, and then we have to take that and make it active uh, and organized at the state level to enshrine those protections, state by state, in a way that the Supreme Court can't touch. Because mm-hmm. the way in which our federal jurisprudence work is uh, works is that um, when it comes to state laws and state constitutional provisions, um, the federal courts don't get a say. Um, they, they only get to interpret federal laws and the federal constitution. Um, the downside is, right, that you're left with a patchwork. So, you know, let me give you, and I, I realize this is, a, this is a, a, another bit of a rabbit trail, but, um, but in this country, uh, in, 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 in 29 states uh, of, of 50, uh, it is legal uh, for your employer to fire you for being gay, to say – outright 
um, you're gay and I think that's icky so I'm firing you um, and that's a goddamn abomination yeah um, in in but the reason that it's not 50 states is because in 21 states uh, people have taken to their state legislature and said yeah I get it the federal government does not protect uh, sexual orientation as a protected class uh, we're gonna do that in my home state of Maryland. We're going to do that in California. We're going to do that in Michigan. We're going to do that in Illinois. We're going to do it in Massachusetts. Um, that's the way in which we need to do that. And, and, um, yeah, like that, that then sucks. If you live in Utah or Alabama or Georgia or Florida or Texas, uh, and they haven't extended those protections. Um, but, uh, but that's what we need to do, right? We need, we need to, to go out and persuade mm-hmm. folks because, the the days of persuading the Supreme Court to step in uh, are over, and they're over for thirty years. It yeah. uh, unless we radically change something, and I, you know, I got I got some ways to do that, but that's way beyond the scope of the show. So, wow. um, <laughs> Andrew, I gotta say, you know, I, I I haven't been back in the U.S. since you guys elected Donald Trump, and you make me want to go even less at this point. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't have my passport, and every time we do a show or even look at the states, makes me want one even less. You sure you don't want to move up here, Andrew? Come on, <laughs> we, I, I would. Bitter, bitter. I would love. Look, I, I have, I, and I've not been to the uh, to the west coast of Canada at all. I've, I've, oh, I've spent some time in in Montreal, which is a, an absolutely lovely city. Um, it, 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 I, it, look, having bashed on it for an hour, I mean, let me say, right, like. I'm a U.S. lawyer. I, I, I love this country. I love the ideals yeah. upon which we were founded. Um, the pro and 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 for a great many of us in our day to day lives, right? Things are still going great, right? Like, I, but but I have right, like I have a dear dear friend um, who's you know who's trans, and when she plans to drive down to come to our live shows she has to plot out which states in this country she can stop Jeez. and pull over and go to the bathroom in that's, um, that's, that's sad i don't have to do that right like and and that right that level of privilege that uh, like i i'm i'm glad i don't have to do that but like but i'm mad that she does right like that's that that you know that that's not what this this the ideals of this country ought to ought to be standing no, for. So, th- no, that's exactly. Yeah. The, you guys were never meant to be the way it is right now. That's for no. sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us on the show today. But be, take a second, my my friend. Plug yourself. Plug the show. You and Thomas. If they want to find out more about your fantastic work, where can they find you? Uh, well, if you're if you're not sick of this already, uh, then uh, check out Opening Arguments. Just. Uh, just Google it. It's openargus.com. Yeah, you'll find you'll find us. We're uh, we're we're pretty big. So fantastic, Andrew. Before I let you go, I gotta have you say hi. This is Andrew Torres of Opening Arguments, and I took a left to the valley. Hi, this is Andrew Torres of Opening Arguments, and I took a left at the valley. Perfect. Fantastic. Awesome. And that was lawyer extraordinaire Andrew Torres. Gotta yeah. say, he's a fantastic guy. He's a fantastic source. Have I not learned a whole bunch of stuff about the American judicial tonight? I have no idea. Gosh. My God, I know. Yeah, I could probably write a dissertation now. My God. It's amazing how there are some parallels to our legal system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there are some differences as well. It's, 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 it's very interesting to see 
you know, it'd be almost superbly interesting to have a show with a Canadian lawyer and Andrew in the same room and discuss, you know, different issues from the American view and the Canadian view. Because somebody above my pay grade for law anyway. That is the show to do when we all lose our voices, because I don't think we'd get a word in edgewise. <laughs> that was fantastic. I hope this was very informative on what goes on in the States, on the legal side of things anyway, as to why uh, the abortion issue is front and center. And not just the abortion issue, because he certainly gave us a, a roadmap as to how it works in the courts in the States. Yeah. We, we were talking about abortion, but think about any kind of law that they pass goes down that same kind of road. Right, so that is very, very interesting, and I hate to say it, it is very scary seas ahead for the Americans. Yes, it is in the judicial way of thinking. Anyway, so that's yeah. we'll see what comes down the road. So anyway, well, thank you so much, ladies, for being with me today, and thank you to Andrew Torres for being with us for being a fantastic guest, and thank you for listening. You can find us at less than that. Leftatvalley.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter at LETV Podcast. Send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. You can send your uh, your complaints to Nancy, even though she's not here, she will probably send you back a grenade or something. So, <laughs> coming up next week, we have the sultry voice of Seth Andrews. That's going to be interesting. And on the 27th, our old friend Robert Stanley will be coming back to talk and yeah. give us a course on Philosophy 101. In August, we'll have our friend Brent Lee from Unapologetics. He'll be talking about prophecy. Oh, and I'm going to miss it. Yes, you're going to miss it. And after that, we'll have uh, Michael Sparks versus Jerry Montanez. Talk about Bernie Sanders, if you should vote for him or not. After that, we'll have the host from Believe It or Not, which let me, with Trevor Pullman. That'll be interesting. And then the week after that, we'll have the host from Secular Soup, Amy Withaway. I hope I've said that right. And then after that, we got the Godless Revolution with Dan Ellis. Got lots of things coming on the road. Oh, we're still not done here. Hold on. We got, after that, in September, we'll have the Evidence-Based Eating with Del Onuth. And then we'll also have Miriam Minum of The Vanishing of the Bees. We'll try to find out what's going on with the bees out there because they're disappearing. Yes, they are. And after that, we'll have Everyone's Agnostic with Mary. And then we have the, also the Free Thought Project. The pre- sorry, the Free Thought Prophet with James McGaffick. So, that is a lot coming up. We got a lot coming up. Am I done here? I'm not even done. Hold oh on. Now we're October now. October, we have a Skeptic's Guide to Conspiracy with Mike Bowler. And of course, we'll also have our Halloween special in October. Lots of stuff coming up the pipe. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being with me. You know, the other two had to kind of a stomach bug or something like that. Yeah. Go out there, good peace. Until next time. Skeptic and non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. Where's my applause? Where's my applause? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I feel like if it was just me, it would not come across very well in the audience. <laughs> hey, yeah, hey. So he's a lawyer, so don't say anything stupid, guys. Oh, hey, hey, Andrew, how you doing? I would <laughs> never say anything stupid, Kevin. <laughs> well, I know it's late where you are, right? It's 7 o'clock here, but I know it's late where you are. So it's, I don't want to It's 10 o'clock on a Saturday. I'm old, but I'm not that old. No, but I, no but I know that, Andrew, but I'm thinking it's 10 o'clock. This guy's probably ready to party, and we're just 
stopping him from going to party furniture. <laughs> All right. Good, I'm, good I'm not that guys. young either. Fuck that. The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic. I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained. Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean it sounds so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, but you're not alone. Speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed.